0: we had a great turnout here for our Taco Tuesday legend uh, right over here before the end. Invite all of you back next week for that. We had, I mean, every kind of taco you can you can imagine over there it was great. So, fired up here on a Tuesday night fueled by the Taco Tuesday legend. want to start out by asking you to reflect on what have you done new in the past week? You know, what, what has happened since you were here the last time, uh, last Tuesday for many of you, uh, and whether you were here last week or not, to, to just think about everything that has transpired in, uh, in that week, whether it's you changed classes or you signed up for a core group or did something cool on the weekend. Hopefully, it has been uh, a fun and eventful week for you. Uh, you know, I got to say, it, it has been for me as on Saturday my wife, Julie, and I welcomed our second son into the world. I have a picture for you. No big deal. This weekend, you know, we just had a baby, NBD. Um, that honestly, this might be the best picture I have ever taken. And I try not to be kind of the annoying, proud dad, but if I was going to submit a picture for the My Kids Are Cuter Than Your Kids contest, this is the picture that I would submit. That's Carson there uh, in the background with a big smile on his face, a three-year-old. And then, of course, uh, in his lap is the newborn Colin Leslie, born at 743 on Saturday afternoon. And uh, for some of you that might be doing some, some quick math, you might realize, oh, well, then that means you guys pretty much labored like during the course of the Husky football win on Saturday, okay? Not that I was totally aware of that, but <laughs> as, as things in our labor started to, to pick up on Saturday, uh, as we got to the hospital, we checked in, it was you know, right around 3.30, and then as, as the, the process of labor, there's these things called contractions, start to pick up in frequency and intensity, you know, I thought that I was being like marvelously supportive when I was like, All right, sweetie, you know, this is right at four o'clock, otherwise known as as kickoff. I was like, sweetie, we can do this. Here we go. Doom 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 <laughs> doom, doom 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 doom. You know, I I thought it was great. Julie I I think uh, appreciated the the effort that I was making, <laughs> though she didn't find it as uh, as quite as amusing as I did, let's be honest all that to say uh this week uh with these two little guys is a week of incredible gratitude incredible uh excitement and also uh incredible exhaustion and and uh, as as you might expect uh when you when you experience something like the birth of a child in this case our second child it does lead one to uh one to reflect on in in these really big ways you know in ways that that I can't exhaustively communicate but but just to say that you have this experience of having this little life in your hands going this little person belongs to or has been entrusted to me and i i belong to through vows that we made this this woman that that delivered this child uh, and i i belong to this child as well It forces these big kind of existential reflections. So just to throw down on you guys where I'm at uh, tonight as as one who has been on quite a journey here um, over the weekend. Uh, So that could come into play as we continue our study of Luke uh, this evening. And as we continue this study, I want us to see that and really remind us from last week. That what Luke in this this book called the Gospel of Luke, right near the beginning of the New Testament, is really trying to show us is that the implications of this person, Jesus, ha- are absolutely huge. They don't just matter for individuals. They don't just matter for a small group of people. If what has happened, if this, this thing about Jesus is true, it has implications for each of us, yes but also for the entire world. It's a book that in a lot of ways says, you all, you all belong among the redeemed. So we're going we're to be looking at this book the rest of the month and we're going to really be observing these interactions that Jesus has with people that communicate, you matter, you matter. And who I am to you matters. What God is doing for you matters. So I hope that you will join us. This is a really, really key concept for us to to understand. Whether you are exploring the Christian faith for the first time, you need to know that one of the things that the Bible testifies to is that you belong. You belong among the loved and redeemed people of God. Jesus has done that for you. And for those of you who have been uh, seeking to follow Jesus all your lives, uh, we need to grow in our hope that these promises, that this good news, this good news is true and it's also for us. And the reason for that, I mean, I'll just, I'll just say that, that I don't think, and I'm including myself here, that we do as Christians a super good job of really believing How much we belong to God and how much this God that is shown to us in Jesus really loves us. And so, as we talk about this whole idea of belonging, my hope is that we might grasp all the more what it it means to belong to God and start to believe more that it is true. That this is not just something abstract. The God of the universe is really, really into you. And it matters for your life right now, not just after you die. So that's the, that's the task that we are fired up on. Uh, before we jump into our text tonight, let me pray for us. Lord, I am so grateful uh, to be here. Uh, so grateful to feel energy in the room. Uh, so grateful to have so many people uh, back and, Lord, so grateful to know that, uh, that you are on to us, uh, that you are, uh, you are the hound of heaven, uh, and that you have given us a way to know you and all of your bigness and all of your mystery. Uh, so, Lord, help us out that we might do just that as we come to uh, your scriptures tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Before I read the text, I want to alert you to, to one thing. Um, often when we come to the Bible, one of the, the first things that, that we're always thinking about is, what, what, is, this, what is this speaking to me how, about how I'm supposed to live my life today? And, and sometimes the Bible helps us out with that. But I want, to, I want to alert you to the fact that that isn't the primary purpose of the Bible. The primary purpose of the Bible is to tell us, is to inform us, who is God? And as we begin to discover who God is, that's what formulates our response. And so so often we're going, okay, what's this, what's this saying to me? What's this speaking to me? And thankfully, one of the things that we love about Scripture is that it does that. But as we read through this tonight, I want you to, to be asking this question of the text as you listen to it. Where is Jesus? And as you read the Bible on your own and in your small groups, especially in the Gospels, be asking this question, where is Jesus? Pay attention to the topography of the scripture. Where is Jesus relative to, to the land, to the time and space? Where is Jesus relative to the, to the other people that are in the story? Honestly, I think this can be one of the things that that will change the way that you read the Bible. It will will help you out if you're able to read through these great stories that comprise the gospel. And just ask this question, where is Jesus? Picture it in your head. So I want to invite you to do that as we read through this text from Luke 5 uh, tonight. We're going to begin Luke 5, beginning at the first verse. And this is also a great opportunity to say... Uh, Hey, if you have a Bible, feel free to bring it every week. We're going to dive into the scriptures uh, every week. If you don't have a Bible, we've got one for you on the back table. They're F-R-E-E free, and as a wise man once told me, free is a very good price. Feel free to pick one up. Okay, uh, But uh, feel free to bring your Bibles every week. Enough commercial, let's read from said Bible. Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1 says this, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, otherwise known as the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've been working hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they had caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. What did you see from Jesus right here? Where is Jesus at? Okay, a few quick reflections on what I saw as I was reading through this text and preparing for tonight. The first thing we see is that Jesus is, is coming along the, the lake shore here and there is a crowd of people. It says he's approaching these boats and that there are, are people and a crowd. Now, this is one of the, the cool things that, that can help us understand these things. The fact that Jesus then gets into a boat, Simon Peter's boat, and, and, and pushes out into the water tells us that this crowd was pretty doggone big. Okay, think about this for a second. That what Jesus didn't have was one of these. And you guys are all smart, you university students. You know that 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 sound waves travel better over water. So the reason that Luke is throwing in this detail about Jesus going out in the water to talk to a crowd is he's saying there were enough people there that Jesus needed a microphone. He needed to be able to have, have this boat as a pulpit that the, the sound could travel over and everybody who was there could hear. He wants you to know there was a sizable crowd here. And When we think about a sizable crowd, we have to think, in the American paradigm, I want us to think about, about diversity. We have a big crowd here of people going, what is, who is this Jesus? And what is he all about? And so what we see right here is that Jesus is with people and lots of them so big that we know that this is this is a rather uh, a rather diverse crowd so the second thing we see is, is that the lens remember last week how we talked about the book of luke is kind of like that center camera at husky stadium well the center camera kind of zooms in on one on one thing with simon peter and i think it's real. pardon me it's really interesting little taco tuesday legend backfiring on me <laughs> it 's really interesting that is that as, the, as we get the zoomed in picture, did you notice how it says that that jesus uh, that Jesus was talking to this crowd, but Luke does not tell us what Jesus said to the crowd. it just said that he began to teach from the word at the end of chapter four, for those of you that have your Bibles, you will see that that in that just before this, it says that Jesus was traveling around in different towns preaching about the kingdom of God. So I think we can safely assume that Jesus is in this boat. Though Luke doesn't tell us what he said, he's probably telling about the good news of the kingdom of God. But then we get this, we get this quote as Luke zooms in. And, and, and he says to Peter, Hey, put out for a big catch. So now we have this, this lens focused on Peter. And later on we, we hear about these, this other boat that is owned by these two other fishermen, so we have this big crowd, and then there is this group of three and Peter tells us that uh, when jesus says hey let 's go out let 's go fishing some more, go out in the deep water that uh, that Simon is uh, you know, he says, well lord we 've been here all night but Okay, if you insist, we'll do it. Okay, I I hear a little bit of sarcasm there. Now, I don't know how you are when you get really, really tired. But uh, if you remember at the beginning of this talk, I talked about uh, these two really handsome guys that probably, you know, when you see those two little guys, you're probably thinking, man, I, I want to procreate. That sounds like fun. <laughs> and And it is. But... <laughs> I can also tell you, lest you get a little carried away, that it is an incredibly exhausting experience, okay? Since said little guy, no, I'm saying after the little guy comes to you, <laughs> you y'all are perverts. Get your head out of that gutter, people. Colin is a precious, precious little guy, but he's also a precious little guy that will likely keep me from sleeping through any single night until about Christmas, okay? Having a child is obviously an exhausting experience. You guys know this. Now, how you respond to that exhaustion is all across the board, okay? For example, my wife is, like, it's rarely at night that she's tired, but the next morning, you know, and she doesn't drink coffee. I think this would change if she drank coffee. My wife's not a morning person, okay? She's a lovely, lovely individual, but not a morning person. And her fatigue comes out in the morning, and it, you know, it can tend to be a little bit, you know, she can she can tend to be a little bit short with me in that spot. And some of you probably have had those issues. Either you are that way, when you get tired, you get a little bit short and snippy, and people are like, ooh, you know, what's up with what's up with them? Okay. Others of us tend to have these things called the TJs. You know what I'm talking about, the tired jollies, where everything is just everything's just hilarious. Like, in fact, the more unhilarious it is, the more hilarious it becomes. You know what I'm saying? Where everything just seems funny. And then there's there's those that that have kind of a com- uh, a combination of the two. You know, where they, where they're like, oh, that's so funny. And I get out of my face. Now. <laughs> Simon Peter is exhausted. He and his buddies have been out there fishing all night. And so when Jesus says, hey, let's go fishing some more. He's trying to get out of it a little bit. Hey, you know, we've been out there all day, right? And we've caught nothing. Here's what I want you to see. Where is Jesus at? Jesus is with with people who are exhausted. He is with people who have failed. They caught nothing on the night. Yet that does not stop Jesus from saying, you fishermen who have been out here and are tired and who have failed, I want to go fishing with you. Let's go fishing together. So then the story shows this group of guys going out and dropping in the nets and boom, huge catch. So much that they need help getting the nets in, They'd been out there all night, and now, now we see this huge catch. Here's what I don't want you to miss: Who's pulling in the nets? It's not Jesus. It's these fishermen. I just imagine how much different, how much different would this whole story be if Jesus said, "Let me, guys, let me show you how it's done." I'm I'm going to show you what it means to be a fisherman. And if he's pulling in the nets by himself, I want to to argue that it is very significant that Jesus is not the one pulling in the nets. This is why we have to look at where is Jesus and what's Jesus doing in these these texts. The other thing that, that we have to pay attention to is that how different would this story be if it was just a fishing line or just somebody's trying to spear a fish if it was just one fish if what jesus is ultimately communicating about is the kingdom of god and what the kingdom is like luke has dropped in this detail that that in jesus not in luke not telling us what jesus said he wants us to see what jesus is doing What's happening in this story? And what we see is this incredible, generous catch of fish. This is like the kingdom of God. This is not reeling in one fish or two fish or three fish. This is so many fish that we need more people to help get them inside here. What's your image now about what the kingdom of God is? So often there can be this rigid paradigm within the church that basically makes it sound like, hey, only one of you is going to get in. Only one of you belongs. And instead, what we get here is a snapshot of overflowing. These boats that were empty when Jesus walked up to them are now filled and overflowing. So much so that they almost sank. Don't miss this. Where is Jesus at? What does Luke want us to see? Peter is so overwhelmed. Simon Peter is so overwhelmed by what Jesus has has done here. He's well aware of his own fatigue, well aware of his own failure. So much so that he, he falls on his knees and says, Lord, I am a sinful man. I am not worthy. Away from me. Where is Jesus at? Jesus is with him. Away from me. Even when Peter is saying, go away, Jesus stays close. Jesus is inviting Peter all the while. No, no, no. We're in this together. So much so that at the end, the invitation, now Jesus and these guys back on shore leaving their boats, my mind's eye has Jesus out in front. And the invitation, do not be afraid. For now on, you will do what you've always done. You'll fish. We're going to take who you are. And we're going to go fishing only now for people. And these guys leave everything and follow Jesus. Jesus is now out in front, but he is with these people who are fatigued and who have failed in a crowd that has likely observed this whole thing. The implications of Jesus are huge. What do you see from Jesus here? We have to reflect on this as much as we can. So what does Luke want us to see when we watch Jesus in this story? A few quick thoughts here. First, the big crowd shows us that Jesus had a message for the masses. And again, I just want to use that to remind us that every single one of you in this room is included in this message about the kingdom of God. I I want to count the fact that you are here tonight as empirical evidence of that truth. You are absolutely included. And it's certainly on my mind. We know that Jesus' mind for for more, Jesus has it on his mind to include even more. The big catch shows us that while the way is narrow, the way is generous. One of the things that people are most offended about when talking about the Christian faith is the narrowness of the faith. They love to critique Christianity and saying, why does it have to be so narrow? Why is it the only way? Well, in the same way that what makes my marriage special is the narrowness of it. I can't just go around dating and marrying other people. Precisely the narrowness of romance is what makes it special. So does the narrowness of salvation in Jesus. Now, while the way is narrow in Jesus, it is generous. We can't miss that. Look at that catch of fish. Look at the people that Jesus was with. Look at the invitation. Hear the invitation to not be afraid. Yes, the way is narrow, but the way is very, very generous. To the point of overflowing. We can't miss this. It's about more than the individual you. Luke wants us to catch this. I love this scene in the boat. After this big catch, Peter falling down on his knees and going, Away from me, Lord! I can't handle this. And Jesus stays right there. He does not send him away. And even when Peter is saying, away from me, Jesus says, no, no, not away from me. In fact, you're coming with me. So often, um, and and I want to call out some of the guys uh, in this room. As well, So often we have this myth of, of being a lone ranger in our faith, thinking that we can go about this thing alone. Lord, get away from me. Embedded in what Simon Peter is saying right there is, I got to somehow get myself right. At some point I can be worthy and then maybe I can do this. But I'm going to get after this individually, get my individual self right, and then maybe we can talk and maybe I can follow you or whatever. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not how it works. So if you are in here trying to uh, somehow get yourself right, or if you've bought into, uh, frankly, a lie that you can do it on your own, I'm here to tell you, you can't. You need Jesus. And you need community. Notice it's not just Peter. It's the sons of Zebedee as well. Jesus shows up in community. So get in a core group. Find community. The vision of of life that you have for yourself and as one who's going to follow Jesus will always be short if you're trying to do it on your own. If you're on the edge on if you're going to join a core group, join a core group for crying out loud. Go do it. Finally, we don't merely receive the kingdom. We don't merely receive the good news. We get to participate in it. How incredible is it that Jesus says, you guys pull these nets out when it could have been Jesus just going out there and whamma. No, no, no. What we see is Jesus' invitation to you, to you, to us, that we participate in bringing the fish into the boat. When we belong as the people of God, we don't merely receive, we get to participate. And it's not about getting ourselves right it's about the fact that this God transcends our fatigue, transcends our failure, and takes the person who he has created us to be, we saw, a couple, we saw three fishermen in here, and says, you are going to continue to be fishermen. You're just going to be a different kind of fisherman. I have an idea of who you are, and I am going to grow you up into being exactly who that is. You belong to me. I have your back, and we are going to do this together. That's what it means to be at home with Jesus and to belong. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Only when we hear this sense of belonging and we hear this invitation can we follow and what i want us to be honest about tonight is so often we doubt this invitation i don't know how many how many people i meet with that are will will talk to me about the struggles that they have with with kind of the sexy issues of our day, whether it be masturbation, pornography, eating disorders, body image issues, whatever it may be, and say, I have these things in my life, and because of that, I can't possibly participate in this work that God is doing. Dare I say that the bigger sin is, is not any of those things that I listed. The sin is when you make the judgment, I can't do this. Away from me, Lord, for I am unworthy. Jesus says, do not be afraid. Follow me. You belong to God. Your fatigue, your failure, your unworthiness does not get the last word on this. So this week, as we go from here, keep your eyes open to where is Jesus? Odds are, like these fishermen, Jesus is right in front of you, if if not with you. Jesus is taking the you, who you already are, and saying, you, as you are, will participate from my kingdom and from my glory. Yes, even you. Can we grow up in actually believing that as a community? Because if we do, we will be absolutely irresistible. We will grow in, our, in the hope and the love that we have for a world that desperately needs to have hope and love shared with them. That's what it means to be a disciple. Believe that you belong. And that God gets past your fatigue and your failure. For it is true. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for this. Thank you that, that you invite us. Um, that your way is generous. And that you never, ever, ever, ever give up on us. Uh, Lord, give us the courage now by your spirit uh, to believe and to follow wherever you would lead us to. Help us to know you. Uh, help us to, to discover more in the questions that, that we have um, about you. And use any and all voices this week uh, to do that. Lord, help us see you. Reveal yourself to us. In Jesus' name. Amen.